for real life. And the reason we exist is just to bring those who are far from God into a real life in Christ. So I do want to welcome this morning any of you who are from the Brewster campus. So thank you for driving all the way and getting up a little bit earlier this morning and not um, watching us um, on the screen this morning with Billy. So we're really excited that you're here. And we have Gina back in nursery. So if you haven't met Gina, poke your head back there because she is me at the Brewster campus and she is lovely. And definitely meet Priscilla because she's the littlest mascot that comes to our staff meeting every week. She's adorable. They have other children too, but she's, she's, she's amazing. Very cute. So anyway, we're thrilled that you're here with us today, Brewster, and they will be with us for the next two weeks because they're redoing the floors over at their um, campus. So if you're online and you are watching today, we're really happy that you're joining us. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the baptism that is going to be set up on August 20th. Um, do make sure that you get signed up for that. You can fill out the card if you want to, or you can go to the connection table and sign up for that if you haven't done that already. So if you don't know me or you haven't ever seen me before, it's because I hide when I'm here. I'm here every week, but I hide back in the real kids' corner, and I work with the kids, and uh, it's a lot of fun. And one thing that we have done recently is we met with the um, Chelan campus volunteers. We met with about 30 of us, and we did something really fun. Um, it, was, it was supposed to be kind of a game, but it was also kind of pulling information from everybody, and it was a real eye-opener. It was a lot of fun and what we talked about was um, we, we used a theme we did it as a rose a thorn or a bud and so a rose was just what are the beautiful things you have seen in our ministry in the last year and everybody was just opening up and they were talking about the kids really and the beauty of our kids so if you bring your kids and you loan them to us for hour hour and a half thank you because they have brought life into our lives and beauty and people just just got so excited talking about them and what they've done and um, how they've grown and people were just, it was beautiful. If you have loaned to us your youth, um, some of them were brought up as the helpers. Um, May Broom's group comes once, um, her small group, once a month and they volunteer and um, some of the other youth come and they are just a joy. Um, our kids really look up to them so it was beautiful to just talk about them. Then we talked about the thorns. What are the things that we could work on um, what do we need to change and then we talked about buds and if we're going to talk about things that need to change well then we don't want to just complain we want to see growth we want to see things happen and so we jumped on those things immediately we only talked about three thorns and then we're going to change those things right away and one of them was hey we we take the computer from one classroom and then they all have to wait if you know about ollie the owl um, that's a really big deal in pre-k ollie the owl who loves you god loves you who who right it's a really big deal um so sorry i i get excited my husband always goes who and i go Anyway, it's, he, he, he likes to tease me, so he's probably, anyway, sorry. <laughs> he's like, you're in the right profession, honey. <laughs> so, and, you know, down on, the, down on the ground playing with my little pipe cleaners and everything. But, um, but we do. We, we were always borrowing, borrowing the computer and going back and forth. And the elders had approved me to get another computer, and I'm a penny pincher, and I kept thinking, oh, we can do it with this old thing, we can make it work, and it just kind of wasn't working. So once we talked about it with 30 adults looking at me and going, yeah, we always have to wait when we're leading in this class for you to get done in the fourth and fifth grade, and then we borrow it. I'm 
like, oh my goodness, it's me, just order it. And so we got a really good deal and we've got now two computers. So now if you're leading in pre-K, guess what? You don't have to wait. You can watch Ollie exactly when you're ready to and start your story on time and then your activities go with the story of Jesus. And so that was one thorn. Another thorn that we talked about was, hey, the classes are getting huge. It was a great problem. Um, last week in the K through third grade class, we had 25 people, 25 kids. And that was a problem, right? I mean, it's too big. And so this week, we're opening up another classroom. There we go, there's our bud. We open up another classroom. Then we talked about how, hey, we combined the nursery and toddlers, it's too big. We need to split it up again. So we're working with the school on another classroom. So it's, these are wonderful thorns to have because they're actually good problems, other than the computer that was on me. But um, <laughs> the, the problem really is we keep getting new people, we keep getting new kids. And, so I love this growth, and I'm really hoping that maybe you youth down in front want to start being helpers. The little ones love you so much. They look up to you. So if you're interested at all, please come see me or put your name down and turn it into the box. Just, just put your name down in your email or your name down in phone number and say, real kids, um, I'll contact you. I won't, like, if you say, hey, just joking, thought it was a good idea in the moment, now I don't. <laughs> I won't bug you again, but um, if you've used to work with kids and you think, you know what, yeah, I'm ready again, let me know, because when we add a couple classes, of course, we need a few more teachers. So I want to just let you guys know we have good growth um, in our youth and our children right now, and we are just so thankful for all of you for bringing them to us and just entrusting them to us. So thank you for that. Um, we're very blessed. Um, we're excited to see what Kyle is going to teach us today um, in this um, sermon series, and we're so glad that you joined us. If you would pray with us. God, we know that these children, they are just so innocent. Um, you've entrusted us with um, their hearts You've given us a chance to be in here to listen to a sermon and have a little bit of peace and quiet while they are in real kids, and we thank you for that. Um, open our hearts in here as we learn what Kyle um, is preaching. Help us to um, be ready for what we're hearing and help the kids back in real kids to be ready for learning about Jesus, loving them no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. All right now, fellas, hey, let's focus up, huh? So I've been hearing this phrase y'all got over here that I ain't too crazy about. <laughs> it's the hope that kills you. Y'all know that? I disagree, you know? I think it's the lack of hope that comes and gets you. See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Now, where I'm from, we got a saying too. Yeah? Uh, question, actually. Do you believe in miracles? Now, I don't need y'all to answer that question for me. But I do want you to answer that question for yourselves. Right now. Do you believe in miracles? And if you do, then I want y'all to circle up with me right now. Come on, let's go. Get him in here. All right, Captain, let him know. 
right, let's go. Oh. All right, Captain. Let him know. Mission on 12. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Mission! Well, good morning. Welcome to you all. Uh, listen, welcome. If you're at Brewster Middle School, something horribly went wrong. We apologize because you're sitting in there all alone and how you got this feed, I don't know. You may be a salmon fisherman that just wandered in there to spend the night. But if you're in Brewster, uh, you did it wrong. But if you're listening from Brewster or anywhere in the Quad Cities, thanks for tuning in. Uh, all you Brewsterites. Is it Brewster, Brewsterers, Brewsterites, Brewster, Brewster, Brewster? Uh, people from Brewster, thanks for being here. Um, uh, watching uh, Ted Lasso remind us that uh, the women's soccer team lost today in penalty kicks. Yes, but just just so you don't feel so bad, it's soccer. <laughs> oh, hey, 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 hey. I know, I know, I got in trouble for making fun of pickleball. I know, I know, all your soccer and pickleball are taking over the world, and I'm with you, I'm, I'm behind you all the way. All right, here we go. Uh, I had a lot more to say about, I know, here, uh, USA. Uh, listen, when Ted Lasso gives his uh, little speech, and he talks about it's the hope that kills you, when I first saw the episode, I thought, I don't understand what that means. But some of you do. And so do I. That at some point, you were excited about something. Maybe it was God. You put your time and energy into it. And what you thought you were going to get and the expectation that you had never panned out. And somewhere inside, you said, I'm never doing that again. Could have been a relationship. Could have been a job. Could have been an investment. But when that thing, when your hope is in God and he lets you down, or you feel that process let you down, man, that could send you spiraling in a wrong direction. One of the biggest questions uh, we get as pastors, and, and whether you're a church person or not, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not yet, you have asked this question in some form. And that is, oh, that is not that, Marcia. Thank you. Um, sorry. Got all ex uh, uh, excited because I offended the girls down here with my soccer comment, and I got it way off, so I'm going to start over. Speaking of a real sport, I used to coach girls basketball. <laughs> yeah, I know. And if you're a visitor, you're like, man, that pastor's a jerk. I'm not really. I, I am, but I'm a kind. Uh, but Anyway, in 1992, I started coaching girls basketball for the very first time. Here's the good news. They were horrible. I inherited them. They were 0-44. Here's the better news. I was a horrible coach. But the bad news is they didn't know they were horrible, and I didn't know I was a horrible coach. So we just lived in this arrogance of, man, we're good. I wonder what's wrong. And I was like, you guys are horrible. 
And they were like, you're a bad coach. So I was so arrogant that the men's coaches, Coach Teague and Coach Tevis, would come to me and they'd say, hey, Plu, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? And I'm like, I'm nodding on the outside. And inside, I'm like, what do you guys know? Like 80 years of basketball experience is what they knew. They'd been coaching forever. And I just like, no, I got this. And I didn't got this. So I decided, I don't want to be a bad coach. I must be missing something. I better get some more information. So I signed myself up, paid my own way, and went to a basketball clinic in Seattle. I stayed in uh, Airway Heights in a Motel 6. I learned a lot about life there that, that evening. <laughs> then I went to the clinic. There was a lot of different stuff, and there's a lot of information coming out. If you've ever been to a conference and everything, it's just coming out, yeah. But one person stood out, and that was Hubie Brown. Hubie Brown is an is a, uh, NBA commentator. He was a longtime NBA coach with the Knicks and the Hawks. And, and he, he was doing, like, the main session. Like, there's 500 coaches in the room, and he was doing the main session. And he would, like, blah, 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 blah. Then all of a sudden, he'd stop. And he'd say, all right, there's 10 seconds left. You're down by one. You have the ball on the side. What do you got? And I'm like, uh, I got nothing. And then he would draw out the play and say, that's what I got. And he probably did that a dozen times through his 45-minute talk. And he would just stop and say, uh, teams, man-to-man uh, -man pressing you, and you don't have a ball handler. What do you got? That, that's my world. Yeah, I, I, here, this is what I got. And he'd write it up there. Man, if you don't think I wrote all that stuff down and took it back with me, you're crazy. Because I needed information. I need, I got to the point where I felt so good over three or four or five years of coaching, assembling all these plays for specific situations, that I felt much more confident when anything came up, I thought, okay, I got something for that. Now, wouldn't it be great if life was like that? You get a bad medical report. The doctor says, what do you got? And he says, and you like pull something out. And like, I got this. I'm going to run this play. Or you go through a breakup or you're trying to decide what college to go to. Or you're, 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 you're trying to decide whether to stay or leave or move or go. Or Wouldn't it be great if God just handed you a, a, a playbook, a game plan, you just pull this out and you just, hey, run. God says, just run this play. The question most of us ask in some way or another, whether we're church people or not, is what am I on earth for? What, what's this all about? Why am I here? Followers of Jesus ask it a little more specific, and they say, God, what should I do with my life? And I just want to be really clear. Some of you have done that, and it didn't work out. Whether you're in the room or you're listening or you, you care about someone who's been through this, that you attempted that and it didn't go your way, so you said, I'm out. I asked, I tried, God didn't come through. And to you all, I'm saying, hold on just a few minutes to see where we're going. Because there's a, there's a premise and a promise of this. We started this series last week. And the premise is this. My grandma Carlita, God rest her soul, would sit down with you and she would say, whatever condition you're in, listen, there is a God. 
and he has a great plan for your life. If Grandma Carlita said it to you, you'd believe it. And she would keep saying it to you until you did. That uh, she believed there was a great God, and she believed that he had a great plan for her life, even though she went through a lot of different tests and turmoil and pain. Now, here's the promise, and we rarely do this. The promise and guarantee of this series is that if you participate and listen, and you don't have to come every week, you can listen online, you can get them later in the week. Uh, God does have a great plan. And you'll be better equipped to discover it. Listen, that's a guarantee. Like, what'd you pay to get in here? $50, $60? We'll give you your money back if that's not true. What if there is a God and he has a plan and what if you could discover it? Right, listen. What if that plan was great? Because some of you, when you hear, oh, God's got a plan, you think, oh, I don't want that plan. I don't want to dress weird. I don't want to talk different. I don't want to give up TV. I don't want to throw my phone away. You think there's this horrible plan that God has. What if he's a great God with a great plan? So last week we ended with this. The fundamentals, the basic step and foundation of understanding what God's doing in the world, but what God's doing in your life. There's this great God with a great plan. It has to begin with Jesus needs to be your life instead of just an add-on to your life. And I know that sounds like preacher talk or too churchy talk. But instead of Jesus being just a component, you just add on with everything else. It gets added on with the rest of your friends or your schoolwork or your business or your investments. It's just part of when, when he becomes your life and not just an add-on. When he's the stake Instead of just the seasoning. Now you're on your way to understanding something. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Because we ended last week saying the focus of your life then becomes, doesn't become the future. Uh-oh, what am I going to do in the future? What am I going to, how am I going to make that decision? When Jesus is your life, the focus of your life becomes a person and that's Jesus. And then you enjoy this moment now instead of always living in tomorrow. Wondering what's next. So. We're going to attempt to answer this question. What in the world is God doing? That's a tough one. And maybe it's a little more simple. Maybe it's a little more challenging to say, what in your world, in your life, is God doing? And what if you could understand that? Listen, God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. Wouldn't it be kind of some cosmic joke that God's a great God and has a great plan but he's hidden it. And you, it's like being in one of those, uh, what's those rooms where you get trapped with your family and try to get out? Escape room? Yeah, they're the worst. I'm never going to do that, all right? Uh, I, I don't like that at all, all right? Because you're trapped. Uh, what if it's like that? That God puts you in an escape room. Like when you give your life to Jesus, he puts you in an escape room and you got to figure it out. That's just not it. That's not true at all. In fact, Paul, who used to hate Christians, and then he became one, and then he wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament because he wanted to put the practices of Jesus, uh, um, teachings of Jesus into practice with his, with his friends and people and acquaintances and people who became new followers of Jesus. So he wrote down some instructions and sent them out. And in the book of Ephesians, he says, listen, therefore, don't be foolish. Instead, understand the Lord's will. So there is a way to know what God is doing and what God wants in your life. 
more than just how you feel and what you think. There is a way to do that. Now, here's the problem. Alert. Middle schoolers, I'm alerting you right now. Um, it's going to get a little tall cotton here for a second. little seminary stuff coming at you, all right? Which Pastor Billy and Pastor Megan, Pastor Graham, they just love that stuff. They get so excited about seminary, all right? I'm way past seminary, um, but I got, I got to share some, some tall cotton stuff with you, all right? Because when we talk about God's will, what are we talking about? If I called you up, or I let's say, um, where's my buddy Wubby? My, Wubby's my neighbor. So um, does everyone else call you Wubby? Yeah, 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 everyone calls you Wubby. Uh, uh, one of the greatest golfers in the state, um, uh, Wubby. Uh, Wubby's, Wubby hangs out with his grandparents who are my neighbors. And I, I text Wubby and I say, hey, Wubby, come on up to my house and bring a ball. What's Wubby going to do? What's the first question you're thinking? Huh? What ball? I mean, there's a football, a golf ball, a, 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 a pickleball, a soccer ball. That would be the best ball. I, 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 yes, yes. Because you don't have to touch it with your hands. You just. Mm, 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 mm. Um, it's the best sport. And they're the best shaped people. They run constantly. They never take a break. Baseball, they just stand there. You know what I'm saying? Soccer's a real sport. Have you seen some of the pitchers? The pitchers look like me in baseball. They don't run or work out at all. Where was I? Wubby. So Wubby didn't have any idea. Now Wubby, because he's kind of kid, he may get a whole basket and bring every ball that he has, but you'd want to know what kind of ball you're talking about. When we talk about God's will or the will of God, what are we talking about? And the Bible's really clear that there's more than one. Let me go really quick through this, all right? Tall cotton. There's a providential will of God. This would be the works of God. This is stuff that God's going to do and nothing's going to stop him from doing it. And no matter what you decide or someone else decides or what army or what country makes a policy or whatever, nothing's going to stop the providential will of God. Nothing. Let me give you an example. Peter, the big leader of the first early Christian church. He was the big dog in the community. He stands up in front of a bunch of people that don't agree with him, a bunch of people that aren't followers of Jesus. And he says, listen, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. You were there. You saw what he did. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to a cross. A little rough. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was God's plan to send Jesus to earth because you and I needed a rescuer. You and I needed a savior. Because the junk in me and the junk in you keeps us from God. And all the good that comes from God. So God the Father says to God the Son, Jesus, get down there and do that. And nothing, nothing was going to stop that from happening. Nothing gets in the way of God's providential will. It's a little bit like this. Depend, uh, pretend there's a cruise ship. God's the captain. God's the skipper. The cruise ship knows it's going to go... 
from Long Beach to Ensenada. You all get on the cruise ship. And you do what you do on cruise ships, whatever it is. I've never been on one. I think you eat and drink way too much. Uh, but you're partying. You go see the comedian. You, you, you get dressed up for the buffet. It's a, just a fun cruise ship. You're doing whatever you want. You can argue with your wife. You can punch some other drunk person. You can do whatever you want. But the captain is going to get the cruise ship from Long Beach to Ensenada because he knows the way and he's done it many times. He's in charge. The cruise ship is going to get there. In the meantime, people on the cruise ship, they can do whatever they want. Nothing stops the providential will of God. He is going to carry out what he's going to carry out. And we can be on that ship doing whatever we want. But he is going to get this thing to the end. And if you fast forward to the end of the book, guess what? God wins. That's the providential will of God. Then there's the moral will of God. And this is the thing we bump into and maybe we struggle with most. We would call this the ways of God. Simply speaking, it would be the Ten Commandments, the teachings of Jesus, whatever do's and don'ts you think you picked up that people who are connected to God should do. These are the things you have the choice to do. Now, God has a specific morality. He has some specific actions. And when I was a kid, I've shared this with you before, I thought it was like, God was up there and like, I'm in charge, do what I say. Here's the rules, play by the rules or you're out. In reality, God says, here's the best way to live life. Even if you want to hang out on the Ten Commandments, all right? One of the Ten Commandments is, don't have sex with someone else's spouse. Who doesn't think that's a great idea? I don't want anyone to have sex with the lovely Darlene. Like, who are you, God, to keep me from my wife having sex with someone? That's a great idea. Let's, yeah, let's not do that, Darlene. One of the Ten Commandments is don't lie to each other. Oh, man, I hate that. I hate it if you come to me and you tell me something that's not true. I hate pretending I'm somebody that I'm not. That's a great idea. So these aren't rules that God says, I'm in charge, you do what I say. Like your uh, middle school, high school. You, your parents tell you to do something, you say, why do I do that? And they say, because I said so. Right? I mean, that's how you should look at God. Maybe God laid out the works, the ways, because that's the best way to live life. And you think, you're, you think, I'm missing out. I'm missing out of all this other fun stuff if I violate the ways of God. In reality, maybe not. Listen, you are free. You are a passenger on the cruise ship. You can do Whatever you want. This is the moral will of God, and you have your choice whether to follow it or not. But you have the power to disobey, but you don't have the power to disobey without consequence. I know that sounds harsh. Take it up with God. God says, here's the best way to live. And guess what? If you don't, there's a consequence. It doesn't go well. Now, whether you obey or not, whether you follow or not, whether you submit or not, God's moral will still exists. Third, the specific will of God. And this is what most of us talk about. Again, if you're outside a relationship with Jesus and you're outside the church, this is what we as Christians talk about. And we want 
just want to know God's will for me. This is the will of God. This is what we want to know specifically for me right now. This is the what, where, and when. So when we talk about the will of God, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the providential will of God that can't be uh, uh, thwarted at all? Are you talking about the, the moral will of God, where, where it, the, the best way for you to live? Or are you talking about the specific will of God? And this is where we as Christians get so freaked out. Because we think there's a specific blueprint that God has for us. And if we miss out on one step in that blueprint, something bad's going to happen. All right, warning. You may disagree with me. If so, come on up. We'll talk about it. We'll go get caught. Let me give you one example. It's my favorite. This is the only one person to marry myth. There's only Ron, one right person that God has picked out for you to marry. Right? Don't raise your hand because some of you believe that. I was raised that way. Well, what happens if you marry the wrong person? What happens if God, God, God's like, hey, Kyle, you're supposed to marry Helga. And I'm like, well, God, I like Bertha. So instead, I missed it. I, and maybe I just wasn't listening. Maybe I was far from God. And maybe I, whatever Helga was offering, I marry Helga. So now I'm married to Helga. Instead of Bertha, who was God's number one choice for me. Now what happens? What's Bertha do? She's going to marry someone. Let's say Mario. (laughs) Bertha marries Mario. Well, Bertha was supposed to marry me. So now Bertha marries Mario. Mario wasn't supposed to marry Bertha. So now Mario, the girl Mario was supposed to marry, now she's not going to marry. You have single-handedly upset the whole romantic foundation of the universe. Listen, we get a little freaked out. God, what exact school should I go to? What job should I take? What parking spot is best? <laughs> we get, we get, again, I know, I know I'm stepping on the toes a little bit, but just really quick, let me give just three principles of God's specific will. We're not talking about providential will, we can't be thwarted. We're not talking about his moral wills like the do's and don'ts. We're not talking about that. We're talking about his specific will. Let me give you three things that hopefully will just let you relax. God's specific will is whatever. Whatever. The the theme of Colossians also, Paul wrote, sat down, wrote his buddies and, and said, the theme of Colossians, the letter was this. When Christ is your life, this is what it looks like. When Christ is the stake in your life, not just the seasoning, this is what you look, this is what it looks like. This is how to live that way. So Paul says, listen, y'all, y'all freaked out about the specific will of God. You're all freaked out about what's next. And Paul says, whatever you do, whether in word, the way you talk, or indeed what you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him anyway. Whatever you do can be God's will. If, in fact, you do it all in the name of Jesus and you're thanking God all the way through. See, we get lost on 
the specific will of God, the, the, uh, versus the ways of God. We get, we get all hung up on the what, the who, the where, the when. And maybe if we are more concentrated on the ways of God, maybe if we centered in on how does God want me to live instead of what does God want me to do, maybe there's a better path forward of joy, of support through pain, of frustration. Listen, there's rare times where God's will is specific. And maybe you've experienced that. Um, for example, remember that story in the Old Testament? Even if you're not a church person. Remember the Jonah and the whale thing? God says, hey, Jonah, go to Nineveh and tell them all about how great I am. Tell them about God. And Jonah says, is there a plan B? God says, no. You can go by boat or you can go by fish. We're going to do this thing. The specific will for Jonah was go to Nineveh. There are very few times in our life where we hear the specific call of God to say, yes, instead of getting the grande, get the tall coffee at Starbucks. You're left with your own decisions, your own choice. Listen, God is more concerned about how I live my life. Not where you go to college, but how you live for him when you get there. So much more important. God's not concerned with why I, God's more concerned with why I live my life. Listen, it's not where you work or where you go to work, but how you treat people when you get there. Or the motivation for why you do what you do. God's more concerned about who I am in my life, the kind of person I am, much more than what I make or who I hang out with. Now listen, does God care about your decisions? Yeah. Is he radically in love with you and cares about every need of you? Yeah. Does he lose sleep at night, hope you make the right decision? No. Two, God's will is not just whatever. God's will is a process. God's will is a process. Um, don't you wish you could you just wake up in the morning and walk in the bathroom and God's will is written across your mirror? That, or you hear, that would freak most of you out. You hear an audible voice like you're drifting off to sleep and God says, um, go to Apple Cup for breakfast instead of CJ's. You're like, okay, God, thanks for, man, thanks for letting me know. It'd be a lot easier. But it would not be rewarding and would not do anything for you as a person. If you got up and all the answers were right in front of you all the time. He rarely chooses to make his will that obvious. That's why I love this verse. And in, uh, in the New Living Translation, it says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. And he'll give you everything you need. Just live for Jesus. Seek to do the next right thing for Jesus. And then you can have everything you want. I know that sounds too simplistic, but maybe it is. Just live for Jesus. Do everything in the name of Jesus. Attempt to please and do what pleases God. Because, listen, the process of making a decision and walking with Jesus is so much more important than the product. You got a big decision looming, and I know this is just 
frustrating the heck out of you because you want me to tell you exactly how to make that decision. I don't know. But what if the process of you and Jesus, of you talking, of you meeting with God in the morning, if you seeking God out, if you want what he wants, if you realize, like we talked about last week, that the living God actually lives inside of you and is helping you and enabling you to make decisions and make right choices, that process brings you to a much better place than the product. Because you may make a decision and your life may not have been changed for the better. But in the process of struggling and finding that out with God, you're going to be ready for the next decision and the one after that and the one after that. Paul says, again, to his buddies in the church in Colossae, says, listen, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. Whoa. And to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your life will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, get this, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. It's not the decision. It's the process of making that decision. What if that were true, you guys? Man, we're missing. We're missing out. We're hurrying to find, to make a good decision, or find an answer, and maybe we're missing out on the process of getting there. Simply, as you know God more, you learn to know his will more. I wonder what God wants for me. We'll get to know God. I know that sounds too simplistic. It's true, though. One last one. God's will is whatever. God's will is a process. God's will is simple. If you walk in God's ways, you'll be in God's will. This is rough now. And I'm not going to tell you what to do, what not to do. You could list all your sins out and then bring them up to me and say, okay, stop that. Don't do that. Okay, do that some more. I mean, what am I? Who am I? That's your decision. But if you find out what God's ways are and then you attempt to live those ways, you will always know what God's will is for you, his specific will for you. Listen, I tried to sum it up like this. I know I struggled with summing it up because it barely fit on the PowerPoint. When I will be what God wants me to be, start there. And for some of you, today's going to be the first day you start there. Then I'll know what he wants me to know. I'm going to be what he wants me to be. And then I'm going to know what God wants me to know. And then I'm going to end up where he wants me to end up. Like, that's too simple. I think that's what it is. It's not that complicated. It's not some hidden message or code in the Bible that you have to figure out to understand it. God hasn't put you in an escape room and it's just mysteriously you've got to discover it. It's really simple. Live for Jesus and you'll know what Jesus wants you to do. That's why when the, the wisdom of Solomon comes along and he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he'll make your path straight. Just live for Jesus. You'll know the path and you'll be on the right one. When you submit to the known, it paves the way to the unknown. Now, I know that seems simple. But it really is simple, you guys. I remember when Darlene and I were trying to figure out, uh, we've had a couple big decisions in our life where we needed to hear from God. The one was moving from L.A. to Manson. I was working at a church down there. 
Uh, North Shore Bible Church was going to uh, create a youth pastor position. So we're trying to decide. So we come up and we interview at, at uh, North Shore and Manson. And to be honest, we didn't know what to do. There's no clear tell sign. So in our little um, uh, manufactured home, mobile, uh, in Pomona, we prayed about what we should do. And as soon as we got done praying, on the TV came the face of Charles Manson. <laughs> Middle schoolers, high schoolers, that's uh, the murderous cult leader. I think, I turn it off, I'm like, no. And then I put on, I, I, I put the radio on and Helter Skelter by the Beatles is playing. The theme song from Charles Manson's Culturist Murder. Like, yes, God, you've given us a sign. We're going to Manson. It's not like that, is it? I wish it was. I have asked God so many times to give me a sign. 11 years ago when we started Real life, when we started this church, people say, hey, when are you going to, I don't know. Hey, how are you going to, I don't know. What about the, I don't know. How are you going to fund it, I don't know. Who's going to do, I don't know. I answered, I don't know, like up until the week before we did our first service. I knew God was calling us to do this. I didn't know the how. And there was no bright light, you guys. There was no message in the sky. But I knew and was confident there was a bunch of people that lived in the Shalana Manson area who were far from God, who weren't in a church, who didn't know the benefits and love and joy of connecting with Jesus. And I knew God was calling us to do something about that. And thank God, five years later, we did the same thing up in Brewster. No doubt. God cares about people far from God. God cares about people who don't know him. And we are called as a church in Chelan and Brewster to do something about that. Not because of who we are, but because of the message that God's given us. So what do you do now? Let me give you three quick steps. We always have next steps. And we have these blue cards that uh, you should have got in the handout that you uh, were given when you walked in. And the blue cards have next steps on them. You can communicate with us. Listen, baptism's coming up. I know you've heard about that. It's in two weeks. Uh, all of Brewster and Chelan are going to be here. Uh, if you've not yet been baptized, uh, we'd love to do that. If you're like, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm going to go public with my faith, let's do that. Uh, put on the blue card that you want to sign up. There's a sign up on, on, the, on our website or on the app. Let us know. We would love for you to participate in that. It's the greatest services we do uh, all year long. Let me give you a couple steps. First of all, number one step. Realize God's will is more present than future. What God wants from you today is so much more important than what you want tomorrow. Super important. We get so lost in, uh-oh, what's going to happen? 
We're going to stay together. We're going to break up. We're going to change jobs. We're going to not change jobs. We're going to move. We're not going to move. And really, God's will, his specific will for you is just today. Just do the next right God thing today. Yeah, but what about tomorrow? I don't know. But I know you won't discover it if you're not living God's way. My, the lovely Darlene, you'll be shocked about this. My wife, the lovely Darlene, says, you can't give the finger to God and still, still expect his blessing. That's Darlene. That's not me. She has a tattoo right here that says that. That's why I married her. Listen, you can't live against God's ways and expect God's leading. It doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen that way, you guys. Two, discover God's will is more motive than action. Right? Again, when Paul says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If your motivation is to live for Jesus, that's enough. Quit sweating it. Oh, what do I do? Live for Jesus. Okay, now what do I do? Live for Jesus some more. How do I find that out? Well, you may want to get in a small group that teaches you about Jesus, that teaches you the rhythms of living out the Christian life. You may want to hang out or spend some time on your own in the morning with your YouVersion Bible app and find some verses or, or a devotional that you can follow. You may want to hang out with someone who knows Jesus and you can share back and forth what that's like. But if you want to know what God's will is and how to live in the name of Jesus, you got to do stuff that puts you there. Lastly, God's will is a person more than a place. God's specific will for you is Jesus. I know it's simple. I know it is. Where you work, who you marry, where you travel to, where you go, how you do I, I, I don't know about that. But I do know the process of knowing Jesus is the thing your heart is longing for. I made the mistake of watching the Jesus Revolution movie last night. It's on Netflix. Anyone seen it? Man, it messed me up. I'm a crier anyway. I cry all kinds of things. When I first saw the Barbie trailer, I was like, oh, I was sobbing like a baby. <laughs> My girls had Barbies. It reminded me of, you know, poor Ken. I watched a Jesus Revolution. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. And you're like, hey, I'm not a Jesus person. Watch the movie. Because here's what I got. It's still true today, you guys. That in a divided country, divided world we live in with all kinds of different political views and different views on all kinds of things. Just like it was in the late 60s, early 70s. The thing that united and the thing that made a difference was a real Jesus in a real way. Not a phony, hypocritical, judgmental church way, but a real Jesus. Because the thing that this whole hippie movement was looking for, they weren't finding in drugs and more sex and rolling around in the mud at Woodstock. They found it in Jesus. The very thing you're looking for, the thing that your hearts desire, you're not finding that anywhere else. It's Jesus. And if you're sitting there like, eh, I don't believe you, then you don't understand Jesus. You're like, ah, this church is kind of boring. Okay. Kyle, you're kind of boring. Yeah, fine. Jesus isn't. 
just won't just change your life. It will answer the question of satisfaction that you have been longing for your entire life. And a lot of you have bumped into and ran away from in the past. So simply put, St. Augustine said, love God, do as you please. If you love God, if you want to do what pleases him, then do whatever you want. Middle school boys are going to go home and tell their parents that. Yeah, the do whatever you want comes after the love God with all your heart. So this morning, you feel far from God. I, I hesitate a little bit with this sermon because a lot of you come in or you're listening and like, hey, I'm not buying into all that church stuff and the will of God. I don't care about the will of God. Okay. You are more than welcome here. More than welcome. If you can sit, you can participate, you can do whatever you want as long as you want to. And you're going to run into the powerful love of Jesus and going to change your life. Maybe this is the day. You're like, ah, I kind of feel far from God because I made some bad choices and done some bad things. And the shame that I experience every day, I'm like, yeah, no. If there is a will of God, it's not for me because of my past. Feel far from God because of stuff you've done in the past? Yeah, Jesus covers that. You feel far from God because you attempted to follow and life got really difficult and, and painful and you're like, ah, I'm out of here. God didn't come through for you and you feel far from God because you tried and it didn't come through. Jesus covers that. You feel far from God just because you had a horrible weekend or you're struggling with some kind of stress? Jesus covers that. So without a doubt, with 100% confidence, God's specific will for you, give your life to Jesus. The providential will of God says send Jesus, we need a rescuer. The specific will of God for you, accept Jesus in your life and put your faith in him. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the pain that has led us to you. Thank you for the difficulty that a lot of us have experienced. And in that process, we got to know you better. And thank you, God, that you meet us exactly where we are. And we're all over the place this morning, here in Chelan and online. God, I pray that through the powerful love of Jesus, we experience a newness and a freshness in life that only comes the process of living for you. But God, help us to start with a decision that puts our faith, our life, our future in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.